maybe one of their ways is much better than all of my ways. It ends up 2Xing, 3Xing, 10Xing our business. And that same thing can apply for you, even if you're in charge of the team. Again, maybe your team members have a different background than you and they come up with a brilliant idea that helps you grow your business and wouldn't have gotten that idea if you didn't have this in-person team meeting. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best of your listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and well, today's Friday, which means it is a Follow Along Friday. Usually, it's me and Joe on following Friday going over the lessons we learned from last week's interviews. But this week, we're going to do something a little bit different. It's just going to be me today. And we are going to talk about the best ever quarterly team meeting that we just completed earlier this week. Now, I know Joe mentioned this before on following Friday. He interviewed someone who has a team that is spread out across the country. And in order to keep the team on the same page, he schedules quarterly in-person team meetings, assuming where he lives. And Joe thought that was a really good idea. So he decided to quickly implement that into our business. And we just had our first in-person quarterly team meeting this week. It was on Monday. So I wanted to go over the structure of our team meeting and then go over some lessons and some benefits that I learned along the way. And then we'll wrap up with the standard trivia question, and we will see you then again tomorrow for Situation Saturday. So first of all, this was the first time that we as a team have met in person. So obviously it's Joe, it's me, and then we've got a few other team members that he's brought on recently that I personally haven't met in person because I live here in Florida. One of the team members lives in Dallas. One of the team members lives in Denver. So the one main benefit I would say to having this in-person team meeting is just putting a face and a body with a voice or with an email. So obviously we've talked before, but meeting in person is a lot different. So that was one of the main benefits. And that's essentially how the meeting started out, right? We all walked in the room and all saw each other and introduced each other, and it was just really good to actually see everyone in person. So before we had the quarterly team meeting, and again, I'm going to try my best to go over the structure, the benefits, and also talk about it in the context of why you should be doing it as well. So if you have a team that is not all located in the same 
city, or if you have a team and everyone works from home and you rarely see each other in person, it would be highly beneficial to have an in-person team meeting. And we'll go over why here during following Friday. So the first thing that we did that I really liked after we all introduced ourselves to each other is we went over celebrations. So the first part of the agenda was celebrations, wins, victories, and progress. So everyone shares one personal victory and everyone shares one professional victory that they are proud of. So in doing so, you got to learn a little bit about what's important to everyone, what they've been working on, any big projects they completed recently, things like that. And then after that, we had six specific outcomes of the meeting. And that's what we're going to focus on for the remainder of follow-on Friday. So again, just very outcome-oriented. So we went into this knowing exactly what we were going to accomplish and what our purpose was for meetings. So the first outcome, I've already gone over this, is that everyone meets in one place for the first time. Also make sure we understand what each of us does. There's a lot of things that we do individually, collectively, going to one thing. Meeting four times a year is important for alignment. Also talk about target audience adding more value to their life, individually and collectively. So basically, we all met for the first time, and then that was kind of going into what the other outcomes were, which we'll get into in a second. And of course, a part of that was going over those personal and professional victories. Now, this next part, which I think was the second most valuable thing that I personally got out of this quarterly team meeting, was that everyone on the team created a PowerPoint presentation before we attended the meeting. And this PowerPoint presentation went over exactly what each person does on a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly, and then on a one-off or annual basis. Basically what they do. And when you're part of a team and such a big business, it's got marketing and social media, and then we've got a, an assistant, we've got investor relations, and then we've got me, which kind of just is all over the place. We've got Joe, who's also does a lot of different things as well. Once it gets that big, it's hard to stay on top of what everyone else is working on. Yeah, we have morning meetings a few times a week, but still, I think it's very important for alignment, but also for efficiency to know exactly what someone is doing. Here's an example. So let's say I have a task where I do investor emails. And then once I send those investor emails out, the next step in the process is someone's taking in questions from investors. Or maybe it's a new deal email. And then someone else on the team is taking in the commitments. Well, maybe there's something that I'm doing on the front end, creating those emails, that is making it difficult for the next person to take in all those investor commitments. So by learning, okay, well, who is actually sending me work and who am I sending work to and what are they doing with that work once I've sent it to them? Knowing that can help you understand if there's things that I can do better to make their lives a little bit easier or that they can do better to make their lives a little easier. And of course, it's also great just to know what's going on. So the format of the PowerPoints, and again, this is just what we did. You guys can do whatever you want if you have your quarterly team meeting. Uh, but I do highly recommend doing this. I'm not sure if we'll, we'll, we'll do this like each quarter or if we'll just do this every year, depending on how projects change. But the format was you first talk about projects that you have completed that you are proud of. Next was to go over what you do regularly. So what you do daily, weekly, monthly, etc. Next was to go over any challenges that they faced. And what was nice about that is interactive. There's only six of us in a room. So if someone's facing a specific challenge, someone could butt in right away and say, well, hey, maybe you can do X, Y, and Z to make that specific aspect of your job a little bit easier. 
Next, what we enjoy doing the most, and then projects that we are currently working on. And then one thing that I added in, and I went first, is my biography, my background. So where I went to school, jobs I had before this, just to see where people are coming from, just to see what skills you've acquired from previous jobs, and maybe just to give someone a little bit more personal information about yourself so you can relate that much easier. So once I did that, every single person that went after me also did their bio, which is also interesting to see how diverse the backgrounds were of the people on Joe's team. So once we did the PowerPoint presentations, again, these were prepared beforehand. The next part was one of Joe's mentors presented to us about personality. So we all took personality tests beforehand. And then based on those personality tests, you're assigned a letter. I was a C. A lot of people on the team were Ds or Ss. So one of Joe's mentors came and kind of talked to us about the results of our personality test and how different personalities need to be communicated to differently. In that one funny tip that they had is that at one of his previous jobs, they all had their personality types on their doors so that when someone came in to their door, they would see, oh, this person's a C, so I need to talk to them this way. This person's an S, I need to talk to them this way. So that was interesting. But after that, we got into what I think is the most important and what I think that will most likely do some form of this every quarterly meeting. Even if you're by yourself, you should do this. But especially if it's you and someone else or you and multiple people, you should 100% do this at least once a quarter. And that was doing a deep dive into our target audience. So the main outcome of this was how can we add more value to our target audience? So I'm not going to go into specifics on what we talked about. I'm going to keep it more general so that it can be applied to you just in case your target audience aren't passive accredited investors. But basically what you want to do is you want to have a whiteboard and you want to whiteboard those big paper boards that are kind of like big, massive posted notes. And the first thing you want to do is you want to define your target audience. So what we did specifically was, uh, well, not specifically, but what we did was Each of us has a different interaction with the target audience. So based off of that interaction with our target audience, who are they? What's the demographic? What are they like? What don't they like? And we kind of just thought about it again, based off our personal interaction with them and kind of what our observations were based off of that. So that was the first step. So we had a big list of, okay, here are the characteristics. Here's our observation of our target audience. Next one that we did was we went over challenges that our target audience faced. So what are the main challenges that your target audience is facing? Not necessarily things that you're doing wrong, but just in general. So for a passive accredited investor, maybe one of their challenges, time management or being presented too many opportunities. They're creating a massive list of all of the different challenges that your target audience is facing. That's number two. And then number three is to create a list of, in our case, ways that we can add value to our investors or ways we can add value to our target audience. So for you, it would be the ways you can add value to whoever your target audience is or ways you can increase more deal leads or, or whatever your main goal is. And then all of us together, again, for all of these, we came with prepared answers and we all listed out all of our answers. And then based off of that, we kind of had a brainstorming session on some more answers that came up because obviously if I have a list of 10, maybe everyone has the same five and the other five are different. I hear someone else's different ideas. It generates more ideas in my mind or in their minds. And so again, we created a massive list of all the different ways that we can add value to our target audience. And then the last step was to go back through all of those ways to add values to the target audience and assign those to some member on the team. 
So we had color coding. So if it was Grant, he was in this color. If it was me, it was this color. If it was Joe, it was another color. And then after we went through all the lists and assigned them to people, we set dates for when those need to be accomplished by. So again, just to summarize, step one, create a list to define your target audience and their characteristics and your observations of them. Two, challenges they face. Three, ways to add value. Four, who's going to actually do those ways to add value. And then lastly, what is the timeline for that? So that is how the meeting ended. So now we all have a list of action items to do for the next quarter or so to add value to our investors. So overall, again, I think this was a really great idea. I didn't really know what to expect, but it was nice meeting everyone in person, of course. But it was really, I think, powerful to go through the exercise of capturing everyone's ideas on how to add value to our target audience. And I think others would benefit the same. Since everyone has such a diverse background and it's likely the same on your team as well, everyone's going to have different ideas. Everyone interacts with your target audience differently. Everyone has different skills. So if I create a list of 10 ways to add value, again, maybe some of those are on other people's lists too, but maybe since I don't have the same background as other members of the team, or maybe I have different skills than other members of the team or experiences, I don't think of the same ways to add value. And maybe one of their ways is much better than all of my ways. It ends up 2Xing, 3Xing, 10Xing our business. And that same thing can apply for you, even if you're in charge of the team. Again, maybe your team members have a different background than you and they come up with a brilliant idea that helps you grow your business and you would not have gotten that idea if you didn't have this in-person team meeting or if you didn't perform this exercise remotely. So after that, we all went to Top Golf and played some golf and ate some food and got to know each other even more. Some members on our team hustled us a little bit, claimed that they weren't very good at golf and they ended up <laughs> being very good. And I was bragging about how good I was at golf and didn't do very well. And I'm actually still kind of sore today from swinging. I think we played like four or five games. So it's under golf ball shots and I swing really hard. So I'm a little sore. So maybe another piece of advice is if you have a quarterly team meeting, rather than just going to dinner afterwards, do some sort of activity. So go to Top Golf, go bowling. I recommend the next time you go to a batting cages. Just a little bit more fun, you know, get some competitive spirit out of people and you still get to interact with everyone that's not in a very formal restaurant setting. So again, I hope that what I just went over added value to you and your business because it definitely has and will in the future continue to add value to our business. All right, now onto the best ever trivia question. So each week we do the trivia question. And the first person to answer it correctly will win a free copy of our first book. To submit your answer, you will either do so by emailing info at joefairless.com if you're listening on the podcast, or you can submit your answer in the comment section of the YouTube video below. Last week's question was, if you need to raise $1 million for a deal, what is the maximum amount of money a single investor can invest without having to go through the extra due diligence by the lender. So when are we raising capital for deals? Typically, you want to set your maximum investment to 19%. Because if an investor invests 20% or more of the capital required to close, then the lender is going to perform extra due diligence on them, which means extra work for your investor. So just to avoid that entirely, set your maximum investment to 19%. So in this case, if you're raising $1 million, 19% of that is $190,000, which is the answer. This week's question is going to be, of the two main occupancy metrics, which one is more important in apartments? 
So there's two main occupancy metrics that you need to consider when investing in apartments. Which one is more important? Again, first person to get that correctly will receive a free copy of our first book. All right, again, really hope this episode was valuable. Really hope to see a lot of best of your listeners hosting their own quarterly team meetings. Looking forward to hearing the, the results of that. Any feedback that you have, maybe things you did differently that allowed you to have a very smooth quarterly meeting that we could implement into ours. And as always, best of your listeners, thanks for tuning in. Have a best ever weekend, and we will talk to you soon. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at com forward slash show. That's com forward slash show.